Thank you, Craig. You may be seated. And good morning, Hillcrest family. I was up at 5 a.m., snow blowing the driveway. Got to see the plow come by, so I snow blowed it again. It's a great, great thing. Maybe some of you just enjoyed sliding down, and you're going to skate back up as you return home. Uh, we're continuing in Luke, and um, uh, next week, I'm really excited uh, about next week. We have uh, this family-style gathering, both at 9 and 10.30, where we're encouraging our K-4 to graders to join us. Uh, as we watch a meal, Jesus eats with uh, some uh, with Levi, and uh, and so we're just going to celebrate together and uh, and enjoy our multi generational church family as we look at a meal Jesus ate, who he ate with, and why that matters. And uh, this past week, uh, you guys are so so gracious to me. I got to be in Houston with a few other pastors at this pastoral learning cohort, and. Uh, just thankful for the generosity of this church family to me, uh, to my family, and, and uh, giving through Hillcrest to this mission to be people helping people find life with Jesus, one life at a time. I got to hear a story uh, about one of the other pastors shared, because there's other church families like ours that gather across the nation uh, because we believe Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and so we gather as sinners. He gathers us under his spirit, under his word, and we gather and we worship him, and one of these sinners gets to share from time to time. And, uh, and so we got to hear from one of these other pastors describe uh, one of their people uh, who got hired at Amazon pre-pandemic, and, um, and uh, he had asked the pastor, so should I tell my employer that I'm a follower of Christ? And the pastor said, well, if he had asked my wisdom prior to the interview, I would have said, no, no, don't do it. And then once you get hired, go, ha ha, Jesus. <laughs> but instead, the guy, given the opportunity to ask what he's passionate about, said, uh, I'm passionate about following Jesus. And, uh, and that became part of his interview. And he shared confidently he gets hired. And uh, he stumbles into a prayer meeting that was happening in their place, 10 or 12 people gathering for prayer. And then the pandemic hits. And uh, so everything goes online. Well, that prayer meeting continued, and it was via Zoom, and it continued uh, so much so that 300 people started gathering for prayer in his particular region. And um, I mean, come on, is that a story? You didn't know that story, right? I didn't know that story. Just God's people being faithful where they're planted. And, uh, and so uh, he gets called into a supervisor's office. And so he's recounting this to his pastor. Uh, and he's getting a little nervous, like, why, why am I getting called in? And the, past, uh, the supervisor said, hey, so I hear there's this prayer meeting you're leading. Uh, it's, it's gotten to be kind of big. It's about 300 people. The guy kind of nervously said yes, to which the supervisor said, good job. <laughs> he's like, well, oh, okay. So he wrote on his performance review, so-and-so scaled a prayer meeting from 10 to 300 people. Nice job. <laughs> Just, again, being faithful to, to whatever God might be planting you in as we let down our nets. And so uh, as we continue in Luke, uh, I'm excited for this next element that Luke introduces us to of who Jesus is. And, and he tells us about two stories of healing. He tells us about a leper that was healed and a paralytic that was healed. And so when you hear this phrase, Jesus wants to heal, what starts to stir in your heart? 
Maybe it's disappointment because for so long, the thing that maybe is top of mind for you has yet to be circumstantially alleviated. Maybe you're just so overwhelmed and bombarded by the challenges that that you can't even open up your heart to this idea that Jesus wants to heal. Or maybe you say, well, David, that was back then. There was a time when that happened, but that's not now. Jesus doesn't do that now. We have modern technology and medicine for that kind of thing today. And so maybe we become these these, uh, people that have a spiritual vocabulary, but we're actually very... um, distant from those realities ourselves. And so uh, I want to read the two stories that we're entering into. Maybe familiar. Uh, it's a story of a leper. Not leprosy maybe as we might perceive it as, a, as this thing that starts to, to eat and deteriorate your skin, just broadly seen as a skin disease. And, and Jesus encounters this man and heals him. And then we hear about a story of guys who are so active to get their friend before Jesus, they cut a hole in a roof and they let their friend down through the roof. And and we see Jesus' interaction ultimately to demonstrate his ability to forgive sins. He heals the man. And so what, what comes to mind when you hear Jesus wants to heal? Let me read the text for us. It comes from Luke 5, 12 to 26. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, he was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers, Jesus never goes on on a miracle tour, right? It's always connected. Everywhere in the Gospels, we see Jesus is always teaching. His primary concern is always that people would be healed spiritually, And then he validates that like this one by doing a healing. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they got that right. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered them, why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So, so 
what starts to bubble up in your heart? <laughs> what, what's the thing that when you go to bed and you, and you get up in the morning is, is the first thing that floods your mind? <laughs> what, what, what do you crave in this life? And it's probably something that causes deep pain or, or maybe the thought of maybe happiness floods your heart. What, what is it that you crave? Uh, maybe it's financial circumstances and there's just a pain or a crunch right now connected with job or vocation. Uh, maybe there's relational tension with your kids or, or, or relatives or, or spouse. Maybe there's, there's challenges in your, your hobbies or friend life. Maybe there's just challenges with loneliness or anxiety that, that you just feel overwhelmed and bombarded by. Do we believe Jesus wants to step into those moments? Do we believe he actually wants to bring healing in those different circumstances? Ultimately, to demonstrate he has the power to forgive sins, our ultimate healing. And so I'm going to ask Craig and Sandy to play a song uh, softly behind us, Waymaker, while we just spend a few minutes reflecting and praying for that thing that comes to mind. God, what is that that you're just bringing to mind that, that we would want you to actually heal? We would actually want you to bring and step in and provide healing in that circumstance. So the text continues. Here's where we're going to head for the morning. A response to Jesus' miraculous physical healings that he does to demonstrate his power to ultimately forgive our sins uncovers what our hearts crave most and what really matters. How we respond to what Jesus is doing <laughs> reveals something about who we are and what's going on in our hearts and what we're craving most. And so Here's where the text starts. Jesus cares. <laughs> he cares. He cares about us and the circumstances in our life. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Not part leprosy, not a little leprosy. It was evident to those observers that this person was kept to be unclean and distant from the broader society for fear of contracting what he had. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Do, do we believe in the authority and ability of Jesus to accomplish uh, circumstantial changes? <laughs> this man cries out with desperate dependence, Jesus, I believe you can heal me. And Jesus responds. He stretches out his hand and touches him. And in Mark the way Mark records the story, with deep compassion, Jesus extends his hand. With deep sorrow, with deep grief, with deep pity on this man, he cares about this person. He says, I will be clean. Now, maybe sometimes we get caught up and we wonder, Jesus, you got bigger things to worry about. You got this whole tension between Ukraine and, and Russia. You have this border crisis that you got to figure out. There's economic challenges all around. What, what do my needs have to do with the global economic challenges going on? 
Do, do you care about my needs? And yet we see Jesus extends his hand, touches this leper, and says, I will be clean. Caring deeply about the needs in our life. And then we see as it continues, not just caring about us, but, but values when our faith is activated. The men that bring the paralytic to Jesus come up with an elaborate way on how to put them before Jesus because they believe in his ability to heal. And behold, some men, verse 18, were bringing in on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. I imagine that would cause, in a packed room, some frustration and chaos and about the disorganization that was taking place, and yet Jesus doesn't dismiss them. He doesn't discourage them from the, the attempt they're making. Instead, he answers their request. He sees their faith activated, and he responds. He says, and when he saw their faith, <laughs> he responds. Now, now, what does that mean? He saw their faith. I, I just, I, I see the beauty in this idea that we love because he first loved us. This isn't man's merit, man's effort to demonstrate faith. Even in this, there is a prompting from God facilitating this act. There, there's a mystery for me that, that wrecks me when I see these kinds of things. When he saw their faith, they, they responded in a way uh, that demonstrated what they believed Jesus could accomplish. And, and, and he responds and says, because of their faith, he cares that our faith is activated. To, to put it in different words, we recognize Jesus' power and authority, and so we want to seek to share him with others, often at great personal effort and sacrifice. It actually takes effort and energy to let down our nets, and yet Jesus is pleased in that response. He's pleased at their activation, and he says, because of your faith, and then he acts. But sometimes when we hear these ideas, uh, I think we respond maybe like these Pharisees. When Jesus responds, man, your sins are forgiven, they start to grumble. This is the first time we see the Pharisees and begin questions saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts and, and, and whether Luke's telling us about Jesus' omniscience or whether he's just telling us Jesus has a high IQ and can read a room, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, Luke doesn't tell us. He just says, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? He responds differently than the way those stretcher bearers are responding. And he says to the Pharisees, essentially, do people not listen to the teachings of the Bible because their mind's already made up? They might look at this story. You might look at this story and say, well, that's not a miracle. Did that story really happen? And they're looking for some excuse to demonstrate unbelief or rejection. Maybe that starts to well up in your heart. Does Jesus heal today? No, that can't be. Because we're secular humanists with a spiritist vocabulary. We don't think those spiritual things happen in today's world. And so we don't listen to these teachings because our minds are already made up. Just waiting for some excuse for unbelief and rejection. But instead we see Jesus cares. And he cares when their faith is activated. But ultimately, Jesus cares most 
about sins forgiven. The ultimate healing taking place. Here's what he says. Back at that bottom of verse 21, and they began to question, who can forgive sins but God alone? They got that right. Because they're responding to Jesus saying, man, your sins are forgiven. But who can see that on the surface? And so they rightly ask, who is this guy? Only God can make that proclamation. And so Jesus, understanding their hearts, says, he gives them a rhetorical question, right? He gives them this question. But that you may know the Son of Man, which is easier, he says, your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? The rhetorical question being, well, it's easier to proclaim something that we can't see, harder to tell us about something that we could all have observable evidence for. And so Jesus says that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And what does the man do? He's healed. Why? To demonstrate Jesus' authority to forgive sins. The ultimate healing. That's what we long for, to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. There's this brokenness that exists in humanity. That this sin that is just so pervasive in our souls, and Jesus longs to heal that, to bring life in his name, to transform our hearts from the inside out. But sometimes those circumstantial realities sometimes cloud our vision from seeing that reality that's taking place in our hearts. So hypothetically, and and dear Jesus, I hope this doesn't happen, but hypothetically, you're driving home from our time today. And, and you hit an ice patch, and, and you skid off the road and, and get in a, in a massive car accident. So much so that, that it puts you on death's door. You wake up in the ER, and they're telling you you're about to die. And Jesus steps in, and he says to you, do you want me to forgive your sins, or do you want me to heal you? Which do you choose? Because my fear is, we've heard this story so often, that that the power of what it means that our sins are forgiven and we're reconciled for eternity is sometimes clouded because we look at the pain. That pain that we were reflecting on just earlier this morning is so pervasive, it's hard for us to even imagine what it means that our sins have been forgiven. But there is the truth of what Jesus ultimately has come to do. Come to reconcile us in the midst of this pain of sin. And so here's what I'd like us to do. I'd love to invite Craig back up. And and we're going to take communion at our seats. So in a second, I'm going to ask those of you who treasure Christ to come and receive the elements and take them back and take them individually. If you've treasured Christ, these elements, Christ's body and blood, symbolize the, the ultimate healing that we've experienced, there's nothing better than our sins being forgiven. And if you've yet to treasure Christ, I'd encourage you, don't, don't come forward and take the elements, but instead reflect on, do I want this healing? <laughs> do I actually want Jesus to forgive me of my sins and restore me to relationship through faith with the Heavenly Father? And so as you feel led, Don't all come up at once. 
No need to rush. If you need to walk over someone who's on the edge of the aisle, that's okay. But just reflect on what it means that we have been forgiven our sins and, and we become children of God. So come and receive the elements as you feel led. Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and this is my shed blood poured out on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me, because when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and we celebrate this reality that he cares for us. He cares about the circumstances, the challenges that are, are in our world day to day. And he cares that our faith is activated to go share about this hope we have but ultimately cares most about us being reconciled to the Father and our sins being forgiven. And so here, here's where my mind goes. Uh, how does this come to bear on our Monday to Saturday? Do, do you even think God wants to do and heal lives today? And it feels like we go to these two extremes. On one extreme, we, we go to whether I'm uh, unsure of that truth. <laughs> We're secular humanists with a spiritist vocabulary. I'm, I'm, David, I'm unsure whether Jesus really wants to do that today. Uh, I've maybe protected myself so much. I've isolated myself so much for that. Or, or and he did that 2,000 years ago. That, that's for another time and place. We understand how healing and, and miracles happen today. The other side, the other extreme, feels like we just plead with God. We're, we're so overwhelmed. We're so inundated and, and, and overcome by our circumstantial realities that we plead with God with desperation to heal us. But it doesn't often feel we're praying with the most pure motives. <laughs> Feels like our motives are often illicit that, Jesus, if you just do this for me one time, then. <laughs> and even then, Jesus steps in. Does Jesus want to heal? I think he does. And we just don't ask as often. Or sometimes we, we maybe ask wrongly to spend it on our passions. And, and so I want to invite up Larry Alm, our elder chair, and, and Gordy Kuspuski, just to share a little bit of, of Jesus' work in their life around this idea. I, I, yes, it's a good one. Oh, thank you. Bucky. Would you, would you share that? Would you like that? I would love you too. This is what we love about Gordy. This is... <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> how, would you, how would people know what your last name is? All right. Uh, when the Badgers are losing, uh, let's say that, you know, the football game uh, or basketball game, they're losing at halftime. They go in and they get a, the, the, the mascot. You know, Bucky Badger comes in, gives them a big pep talk. They go on, they win the game. You can say they won because of Bucky. And uh, I told David that, and he still goes, because of Busky. And, and I, I still no, butchered no, it. And no. I still butchered it. It's spelled <laughs> it's correctly right. on, the, on, the, right. on the screen, though, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, all right, man. so back Thank to reality. You. Thank you. So 
So, uh, so Larry, just, just for you, when, when we talk about Jesus wants to heal, where does your mind go? What, what starts to come up in your heart? Well, I believe that Jesus does want to heal and that he does. Um, many years ago, uh, after a church service, I was talking to a lady who, um, she was... Her life was being affected so badly by a seizure disorder, and she was so sad uh, because of the limitations on her life. And um, and I thought it, it just struck me that she could be healed. And I gathered some of her friends together that were there, very close, and we laid hands on her. And we prayed with desperate dependence that she would be healed. We didn't hedge at all. We just asked for healing. And it, it was so strange. Something practically freaked me out as my hands, one on her shoulder, one on her back, they began to feel something. I don't know what it was, but... I knew that the Holy Spirit was doing something. I knew for certain that our prayers were being answered. And for a year, this lady didn't have a seizure. After a year, she started to have them occasionally again, and I don't really understand that. But she at least had that full year where her life returned to normal. And, uh, and I know that it was because um, Jesus wanted to heal her and give her uh, trust in him again. Um, as an elder here at Hillcrest, I believe that it's a duty of the elders to pray for people when they ask. Uh, we've done it several times. Um, it's... Uh, a privilege. It's an honor to be able to do that. We desire to do that for you if you want to come to us and be prayed over. Um, and we never know the outcome. I know some of the times that we have done that for people, we haven't really seen the outcome. Uh, other times, um, we've left wondering, well, what is God's answer to these prayers? But we know that when we pray together for you, that um, God is accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So when you need prayer, please uh, contact an elder, contact the office. We will gather with you and pray. As a reflection of James, James says, if any among you is sick... Go to the elders and they'll pray for healing for you. Now, when does Jesus want to heal? And when does he say, my grace is sufficient for you? I don't know. I don't know when and, and why he does certain things. Paul prayed for the thorn in his side to be removed and it wasn't. To which Paul cried, my grace is sufficient for you. But we believe Jesus wants to heal. And, and and, and other times he says, depend on me more fully for the forgiveness and transformation of your sins because my grace is sufficient. And so for you, Gordy, as, as you reflect on this, this Jesus caring for you, what's that been like in your life? Well, I guess I've kind of 
kind of seen that a couple times uh, with my foot. I guess a little background on that. Some of you probably know about it or whatever, but I mm. uh, got an infection in my foot. I had gone to the VA. It was just a, what happened was uh, I had a, a issue with my toe, like a minor ingrown toenail on one of my toes or something. So I just went, I thought, okay, I'll just have this checked out as well. We'll send you to podiatry, yada, yada. And uh, a couple of antibiotics and just whatever, taking care of it, it was fine. And then uh, they noticed I had this callus on the bottom of my foot. And I said, yeah, mm. I've had that for a few decades. Mm. And I said, uh, yeah, every three, four months, it'll bother me. It feels like I've got a pebble in my shoe. I just kind of scrape it down. It's good for another three, four months, whatever. They say, we can remove that. I said, OK, fine. And they did. But they went too deep. And mm. they opened a wound on the bottom of my foot. And this is like seven years ago. And I'm still dealing with that. Uh, it got infected. And uh, well, it's probably like six years ago. And uh, they gave me antibiotics. I wasn't working. Uh, the infection got in the bones. And they were then talking a transmetatarsal resection, which is basically removing the front of your foot. And I thought, we need a second opinion on this before <laughs> I go ahead with that. So uh, I went over to Mayo Clinic. And they're like, yeah, that's a little too aggressive. Uh, might have to take a couple toes out. That, that should be the worst. And I'm still, on my drive back home, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I mean, I just had this very in-depth moment. I can't remember probably 30 miles of the drive, which probably isn't good, but um, I was in, in deep in prayer, just like there's got to be some answer here, just praying for something to come around for the Lord to, to heal things. And it was a few days, maybe a week later, a friend of mine called me up. He said, I was talking to this guy at the gym, and he said, uh, he mentioned a friend of his who had gone to this uh, Waters Biological Clinic at Wisconsin Dells. <clears throat> And the guy is an MD, he's an uh, uh, orthopedic surgeon, I think, is what he got into originally. And he got his training uh, residency at the uh, VA hospital in uh, mm. Chicago. Mm. <clears throat> and they just saw way too many amputations. And without getting into the background there, he does different modalities. And he used some ozone therapy, chelation therapy, some other modalities that he was doing. And uh, it actually took about you know, a year and a half, two years. But uh, my foot healed up, the wound closed up. Everything seemed to be okay, and I'm like, you know, thank you, Lord. You know, mm -hmm. this is good. Um, and I went <clears throat> probably about a year and a half where, you know, people say, hey, how's, how's your foot? Uh, my stock answer is, hey, it's still attached, you know. <laughs> um, but it was to the point where it was, it was getting better. I was wearing my normal shoes again instead of the orthopedic boot yeah. or the, you know, post-op boot. Anyway, um, just this past February, so almost a year ago, uh, the thing just kind of flared up, blew up again. Hmm. And uh, at that point, they said, yeah, this is serious. You got some really stuff going on. It was uh, chronic osteomyelitis, which just means you got an infection in the bones and we can't get it out. And the, the VA, uh, their, their standard of care is antibiotics. If that doesn't work, then it's surgery. And just a quick background, I guess. Um, I went to the VA because I, I spent uh, 13 months in Vietnam. I was in the, I was in the Marine Corps. Um, Infantry unit, yeah. we were in a combat unit, and I uh, was a squad leader over there. And uh, just saw a lot of action for basically out of 13 months. I think we were back in the rear at our combat base two and a half weeks. But we lived out in the bush. Mm. Um, anyway, so that was you know, a lot of stuff to get through. And I remember one of the guys, when we left there, he said, after this, everything is gravy. Now, I was not a believer at the time. And I always remembered that phrase. And when I was at a, a workplace before I went back to school and everything, Another guy always had a positive attitude. I said, what are you so happy about? Why do you seem like you're in such a good mood? He said, life's too short to go around with a long face. So I always remembered that. I said, OK, life's too short to go around with a long face. And uh, uh, everything is gravy after going through that garbage I went through. It's like everything is gravy. And I looked at this and thought, OK, I can handle this foot thing. But at the same time, I was kind of, 
I was staring into the abyss on the second time, just mm -hmm. this past February. In fact, you called me somewhere halfway in between there, and we had a conversation. And I remember uh, I was reading the book of Job, and I told David, uh, when you're feeling like I do and you get this going on, do not read Job. <laughs> so it's not a good thing, but anyway. Um, so fast forward back to uh, the treatment process. The VA had said, the podiatry department said, um, yeah, this is serious stuff. They want to check me in that night to the mm -hmm. hospital. And I'm like, I don't think so. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I don't do sleepovers at the VA, sorry. And because uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen when I come out on the other side. And I, I literally said that to him. <laughs> and um, they're looking at me like, you know, this guy's got a screw loose. It's like, yeah, maybe so, but I, I feel better about that. Mm. Um, they were, the next day I came in, and, and a couple days later, and they followed up, and they said, no, nah, this is not good, the x-rays, everything. It's, they said, we're not talking um, at this point, just, you know, that transmetatarsal resection. We're talking about amputation below the knee. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's getting more serious now. Mm. And I just, I was in some, you know, deep prayer then, just going like, okay, maybe I've not been in prayer enough. Maybe I've not been following the walk as close as I should. Maybe this, maybe that. You start blaming yourself, at least I did. I went back to the uh, clinic in the Dells and uh, I started doing some of those mo different modalities, different therapies, and I was going twice a week. Only problem with all this was nothing, that's all comes out of your pocket. That's, that doesn't get covered by Medicare, VA doesn't reimburse, whatever. But I thought, it, that's okay. Maybe this is a lesson that I'm learning. Like, okay, what do you want to spend your money on? It's like, well, I guess staying alive. <laughs> so I'm keeping my foot. Anyway, uh, uh, so, I, you know, it, it's the point now where, um, I mean, for probably six to seven months after February, I was walking around with the post-op boot and everything. And, of course, I threw my back off, and I got some issues with that again now. But, but I, I got my shoe back on. So, And, and the, the wound is just about healed up. The foot is it's at a plateau where things are getting better. I mean, I'm not going to be running any marathons, but um, it's doing better. So, again, long story roundabout coming back to, you know, what, what does it look like? It's like, well, I guess I've seen a miracle of healing on two separate occasions when the secular physical world pretty much gave up on me. You know, it's like, okay, I did something else, and it's like, is that going to work or not? And, and it did. And it's like, okay, and second time around, well, it worked again, but is it going to hold? Is it going to be permanent? Is there still something festering in there that's going to raise its ugly head? I, that I don't know. Come on, but 22 years ago, something changed. Well, 22 years ago is when, when I put my full faith and trust in the Lord. And uh, before that, I, I wasn't a believer. And now well, maybe it's 23 years now, but anyway, it's uh, you know. And I, when I look at that, I like, like David said here, you know, is this is this healing? Like you're faced with that that question that you put out there. Uh, so if somebody's not a believer and, and they get in this accident, they're in the hospital, and, and you know, Jesus is standing there saying, "Hey, I can heal you and put you back to normal, or I can forgive your sins and see you in a few hours in my in my mansion." You know, it's like, what do you pick? Well, again, what's our experience? It's, it's the, the here and now is our experience. We know what that is. We know the pain we've had. We know the suffering we've had. We know all of that. And, of course, your first thought is to be like, yeah, heal that foot. Yeah, heal this accident stuff. Heal this trauma. Bring me back so I can kind of, you know, take care of my family. I can do this. I can do that. They take another five seconds and think longer. What's the better deal on that? The better deal is the spiritual healing, saving your soul for eternity. You know, 70, 80 years, our life expectancy is, is nothing compared to eternity. And that's what happened to me 23 years ago, yeah. was I, I put my faith and trust in the Lord. And uh, it, it's, it's been, you know, again, everything else is gravy. You know, yeah. that, that, that thing comes right back to that. Because though your foot might not get fully healed in this life, right. 
It's, it's a temporary minor affliction. I can say that, but I don't feel it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, but it is. I mean, and I look at that and I see, you know, uh, Paul had that. And it's like, okay, is that really what it is? It's like, well, it is because, again, you keep coming back to the fact that you're, you're so, you know where you're going. Yeah. It's, it's that no-so kind of hope. I mean, you, you put your hope in Jesus. It's like, okay, what is that hope? It's like, gee, I just, I, I, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he's not. No, it's a no-so kind of hope. You yeah. know that's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas your hope-so kind of hope is like, yeah, well, hope it's a nice day tomorrow. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and it doesn't really matter. But your no-so kind of hope, you know what's going on with that. So, that your sins have been forgiven. There you go. And exactly. that we get to spend eternity with that's Jesus. Right. So here's right. the prayer. That, that I hope as we go through our weeks, God, help me to listen closely to your teachings, that we believe you are a healer, and yet ultimately spiritual healing is what we long for. God, help me listen closely to your teachings so they reshape and renew me to know your truth in whatever you might be inviting me into today, whatever those circumstances are that start to weigh in on us. Uh, if you're feeling challenged that... Uh, having the priority of the forgiveness of sins being the preeminent thing in your mind, if that's hard, I hope you cry out with desperate dependence, God, help me feel that truth more fully. And that if you are convinced that is the most incredible thing we can experience, may we share that a little bit more fully, believing that God cares for us and he wants us to share that hope with others. Would you pray that for us, Gordy? I always forget I got this silly microphone. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer and just ask that uh, all of the praises and petitions of all the people here at Hillcrest, that you would answer them mm -hmm. in loving kindness. Mm -hmm. We just pray that everybody here that has maladies of some kind, that they would bring them to you. Mm -hmm. And if it is in your will, that you would heal them. But more importantly than all that is that the spiritual healing would take place for those that are not believers. Those that are on the, on the edge, walking the fence, that they would make that uh, decision for you. And again, just uh, to put our faith and trust in you. And faith is nothing more than just taking God at his word. If he says it in the Bible, it's there, it's his word. You believe it, that is your faith. Mm. Just follow that. And we just ask that uh, you just make this a priority with people. That again, the spiritual part, the soul, is the more important than the physical body. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.